Native Americans maintain tradition and culture and life on their reservation. And while seclusion helps protect their culture, it also brings about hardship. The Lakota Sioux Tribe in South Dakota own a history few may know about. It's ridden with poverty, alcoholism, suicide, and hopelessness. Hear how our guest has helped to bring hope and change to the Pine Ridge Reservation on this Action in Ministry. Inspiring you to be the hands. Empowering you to be the feet. Strengthening you to be the heart of Christ for others. Action. Action. Action in ministry. Hi, I'm Rachel Legute, and this is Action in Ministry. If you took a walk through the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota, you'd see dilapidated buildings, trash, graffiti, evidence of poverty, and pain. But if you dig deeper into the people, you'll find a beauty rising from the ashes. God is at work there, and hope is springing up. Our guest today, John Hall, has seen it firsthand as he's worked with the Lakota Sioux Tribe for the past 10 years on yearly mission trips with his church. John, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm blessed to be here. Very happy to be here. John, how did your connection with the Pine Ridge Reservation begin? Many years ago, I was doing, you know, a yearly mission trip to here and there, and I kind of realized that I wasn't getting the continuity, wasn't building up the relationships. So a friend of mine, Jim, he's been on this trip a couple times before I joined it. He talked me into going, and I had realized that I was the new guy on the team, and everybody else... They knew what they were doing. They had, you know, they were able to talk to, to local local Lakota men. They knew where to go, where the tools were, you know. And I go, wow, this is kind of neat. So I went again, and the next year was even better. So you fit in, you become comfortable, and that's really what got me going on this mission trip. So this was kind of an ongoing mission trip when you started going. That's correct. It was going on for five or six years before that. So tell us a little bit about what the particulars of that trip are like. What do you do when when the groups would go on the trip? So what we do is it's an all-men's trip. The local director identifies the needs in the community. And, you know, it can be from skirting trailers so that they're weatherproof, so they can have their water turned on, winterizing the insides of the trailers, doing basic repairs, uh, to re- full rehabilitation of sections of the trailer. Like last year, we did a bathroom. You know, up there, keeping warm is a big thing. Yeah. It's like minus 20 Ooh. in the winter up there. <laughs> so that's a big part of our program is to help the local families. Well, I would venture to guess that a lot of our listenership have not actually ever stepped foot on a reservation. Can you explain to us a little bit about what it's like to enter onto a reservation and what life is like there. Pine Ridge is a very large reservation. It's like 11,000 square miles, 20,000 plus people on the reservation. So they're spread out. You drive into the town, you go on the main road. It looks run down on the main road, but you step off the main road and all you see is bad poverty. Mm. The people don't take care of their outsides of their homes. The inside kind of looks like what the outside is. The unemployment rate there is like 85%. There's just no work. There's no money Mm -hmm. to keep it up. 
Um, so a lot of the nat- in local natives, they go to drugs, alcohol. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see that in the community where there's kids running around, no parents. Mm-hmm. A lot of the kids are living with their grandparents, mm-hmm. which is really sad. So a lot of these homes, you know, the statistic is they have average of 17 people living in one home. And you go and you look at these homes and you go, oh, my gosh. And you step inside and you realize that they're all living in the living room because that's the only room they can keep warm in the winter. And you said the average is 17 people in a home. That's the average. And, you know, life expectancy for a male is 47. Average life expectancy. And we went to, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I believe this. And you go to a cemetery there. You know, yep, 30 years old, 35, 40. It's because of the alcoholism. Okay. They had the largest kidney dialysis system in Pine Ridge. So as you first started going and visiting the reservation and working there, what are some of the things that really struck you about the people that you were starting to get to know and work with? Well, um, you know, we worked mainly with the Lakota men, mm-hmm. and they're usually 20 to 35 years old. So you get to know them. One of the men, I've, the first year I went, this is what hit me, uh, his name was Norm, and he was showing up late. And I go, Norm, can't you set an alarm clock? <laughs> and he goes, I don't have electricity. And I go, you don't have electricity? And he goes, yeah, I don't have running water. I don't have, I'm not able to connect up to the sewer. And he was happy. You know, I went to his house, and again, it was his whole family living in the uh, living room. Using the skills that he learned through the program, he was able to, you know, insulate that room up and seal it all up and get his trailer going. But he paid $250 for this trailer. And then out in the drive, he had a $350 car he bought. Mm-hmm. I'm going, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And I looked around the neighborhood, and I go, they're all this way. Mm-hmm. So that was like, I got to try to figure out a way to help. And what struck me is the fathers need the help mm-hmm. so they can lead their family and get them out of this mode. So, yeah, you're describing a picture of of intense like physical poverty, right? Lack of access to um, basic amenities that I think a lot of people in the United States of America would think— they would have without thinking about, right? These are just things that you would have. Right. And you're describing a picture where there's a lack of these resources. I wonder what what's the spiritual condition like of the people? Well, there's a split. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of churches on the reservation, but so the Christian community is on one side of the split. Okay. And then on the other side of the split is the Native American beliefs. And that split can actually be within families. One of the guys this last trip, the rest of his family was disowning him because he was trying to go towards Jesus. And they were basically disowning him. They were kicking him out of his house. So he had no place to go. He has no support. His friends were even bashing him. Yeah. So how do you, you're there to kind of help teach new skills and, and give access to some resources, but how do you minister to somebody who's in that type of a situation? How do you speak into their life with the gospel? You don't expect big changes quick. 
But we eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner with these guys. Mm-hmm. We work side by side with them during the day. The mission we support up there is Hands of Faith Ministry. And what they do is they bring in Lakota men, and they're supported 24-7. So these men are coming from the community. In the case of this person, he was kicked out of his home. He wanted to change. So he joined this program. And a lot of these guys, they show up with nothing. It doesn't cost them anything to be in the program. Mm -hmm. So the ministry actually covers all their food, clothing, everything. And they live there. And they live there, Mm -hmm. right. For how long? How long does somebody spend time in that program? It's usually three months, but some of them want to stay longer. They're given that opportunity. The longer they stay, the more responsibilities they have. They may be training the next group. Their responsibilities increase over time. As a Lakota man comes into this program, what kind of services is he receiving? What kind of resources is he starting to acquire throughout his time there? First of all, they do Bible studies. They do, you know, Christian-based programs with them just to change their spiritual outlook, give them hope. But in parallel with that, they have vocational skills programs. You know, guys like to get down and do things. Mm-hmm. There is dedicated time to study the Bible, to study Jesus, but also you move into vocational training. So you're continuing to get the Christian training, but in a different way. They're able to learn construction, uh, carpentry, plumbing, electrical. It's not like a degree or full certification, but it's enough to to move on so they can be self-sufficient down the line. So you've been at this for a while now, more than 10 years. You've been going to the reservation and working with the men in this community. And I'm wondering, do you have any stories of people who you've seen over the years as you've built relationships? Do you have any relationships that are starting to look more long-term and you're you're starting to see positive changes in people's lives? Adam, he uh, started in the program several years ago. He was a recurring member. He finally got a job, Native American Housing Department. And his job now is to go out and repair homes on the reservation. Most of the homes on the reservation are actually owned by the Lakota government. So he is fully employed and supporting his family. He actually seeks us out when we're in town. And just this last trip, he invited us over to see his house. And we had actually worked on that house Probably six years ago, someone had come in and stole all the copper out of it. He helped fix it. And then they realized, wow, this guy can do this kind of work. We have a whole ton of houses to fix. He is a light in the community. Yeah. He's a strong Christian believer. His family's doing great. Yeah, there's a success story. When you see the elevation of somebody's basic resources, right? Now this person has access to things that he didn't have access to before, How does that connect to his overall well-being? Do you see him grow in faith? Do you see him grow in relationship skills too? Or oh yeah, yeah. So he's he's much more outgoing. He's not scared anymore. He's able to talk about his faith, talk about where he is, how he got there, and not feel like somebody's going to shame him. You know, and if they do, he doesn't care. You know, he's just a new person, actually. Do you see yourself continuing work on the reservation in the years to come? 
this mission's going to continue, <laughs> all right? I'm definitely going to do it as long as I can. Uh-huh. It's a long-term mission. Bit by bit. Yeah, bit by bit. It's very step small by steps. step. Right. What are some of the things that you hope to see happen? What are some of the small little things that you would like to see change? I'd like to see more people like Adam here that, you know, get some skills and are able to lead their families out of poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, people look at the reservations and they go, oh, they, they should be taking care of themselves. Historically, 1890, you had the massacre at Wounded Knee. So all these people were forced onto this reservation. This reservation used to be like three or four times bigger than it is now. And that's the original treaty. And as part of that treaty, we committed to take care of them. So they have a very good health care system up there. Everybody gets health care. And they, they get some basic subsidies. And that's all part of the treaty. That was part of why they ended the war with us. We then took away two-thirds of their land. We left them with a hunk of land that has very little resources on it. So guess what? There's no embedded economy mm-hmm. to keep these people in jobs. That's the sad part of it. Mm-hmm. They, they want to stay together, but where they're at is so difficult. How have you seen God at work in the midst of these difficult situations? There are thriving churches on the reservation. Mm-hmm. We help start one of them. God is keeping those people on the Christian side strong. Yeah. How do you so, see the people in the program respond to the gospel? Positive, and there's some cases that is very positive. Uh-huh. Um, they it changes their life totally. It, it gives them hope. On the other side of the split, you know, the Native American side, their spiritual beliefs doesn't give them much hope. Whereas Jesus, with his, you know, message of the gospel, forgiveness, it's very common. They go, I was in jail three years ago. I was, you know, killed somebody. You Mm -hmm. know, some of the guys that are in the program are actually on work release. Yeah. You know, I'm a big guy. You know, I'm six foot five. I look skinny next to a lot of these Lakota guys. They are like football linemen. They're unbelievably strong. Being able to talk about Jesus with some guy and he's almost crying about his past and how can he change, that hits my heart. Mm-hmm. And see that they, they want to change. They want to get away from being in jail and doing drugs and everything. When somebody comes to you with that type of hard story, that kind of messy past, how do you share God's love with them? Well, first of all, if they're sharing, they're over halfway there. <laughs> All yeah. Right? Okay. That gives me excitement. Mm-hmm. That means I can say almost anything in front of this person. If they're sharing, they want my reaction. Mm. They want me to question how they got there. Yeah. Actually, a lot of times they just want to talk, which is great because I don't know how to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. And I tell them I don't know how to solve their problems, but I'm here to talk and I'm going to be back next year. How is this ministry impacted you personally to get to hold stories like this, to get to be a listening ear for someone who needs it, to deliver skills, and then to watch people grow. Like, how has that impacted you? This mission has made me see Christ in a different way because every year we go up there, and I think this is why the guys like to go, is we don't have a plan. We go up there and figure out what we're going to do. And every day, it could be something different. You know, all of a sudden, there's a family that needs help. We're there. It's amazing how much we get done in the week and the different families we touch. That's affected me and how I look at life. 
Well, John, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And thank you so much for sharing that work with us today and your stories. We are inspired by your action. (laughs) Thank you very much for letting me be here. Sin. There's nowhere we can go to escape it. Whether you're on the Pine Ridge Reservation with the Lakota or we're in our own homes with our families. But the truth of forgiveness through Christ opens the eyes of the hopeless and helps us realize freedom from our sin. In Romans, we read that where sin abounds, grace abounded all the more. That is good news. How will you help share that good news of grace today? That's Action in Ministry. I'm Rachel Legute. Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We'd love to hear how you and your church are ministering to your community. To submit ideas for this podcast, visit our website, lhm.org forward slash action, and send us an email.